Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Right. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you all. Um, there's quite a few away on holiday and hope they're having a great time. But it's good that you're here. And uh, this came up uh, this week on my Facebook, just in the blue, by the blue, really. Trust my nudges, the universe. And I thought, whoa, that's awesome. I like that. Trust my nudges. So I decided, uh, along with Danny, that we were going to just put that on um, in between everything because I think we maybe need uh, to get that into our spirits to trust my nudges. Um, that clip's interesting because there was a lot of nudges going on, but he didn't trust them. He certainly wasn't going to take any notice of them. And uh, ultimately, we can be asking for signs, and we're getting them <laughs> loud and clear. Um, and we're not just talking about good stuff. We're talking about warnings as well, things that could help us uh, maybe avoid certain things. But are we listening? No. And things that could take us into wonderful blessings. Are we listening? Often no. So tonight we are going to look at this sort of thing. Now, what was interesting, after the uh, meeting last week, a couple of people came and, and um, after what Anth had said, about various signs, you know, that we'd been experiencing. They came and said, do you know this? And do you know that? And do you know the other? And so we felt that maybe that was just a sign that we were meant to look at this tonight. So I hope it encourages you because maybe if you sat for a minute and just had a thought of some of the incredible things that have happened in your own life where you, you were shown a particular thing and it came quite remarkably and, um, it was very significant in your life. I think you'll maybe enjoy that little bit of uh, reminiscing to see where that, those things have happened in your life. So, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, okay. Um, a few years ago, um, a, a young girl came to stay with us in the apartment next door. And uh, I'd never met her before. Anthony met her father and, and unfortunately she'd just lost her mother and was going through the whole bereavement of that, uh, just as a sort of a, a early 20s person, um, a mother had died of cancer. And um, she came just, she was on a tour around uh, the uh, Europe, and she came to stay at the apartment. And uh, what was interesting was, every time I looked at her, all I wanted to call her was Island Girl. Now, I know that's weird. I mean, I don't look at any of you and think, oh, you know, island girl, or even a name that's sort of as equally descriptive about anybody else. Um, but every time I looked at her, I just wanted to call her island girl. And I didn't know her proper name, although I was told it, her name was Hillary. But in fact, I couldn't remember Hillary. All I could remember was island girl. Now, I know this seems really odd, but I'm just using it to... Uh, just to help you, sometimes the things that come into your mind are actually 
very prophetic and we've always been prophetic as a house, as a, as, as a, a community, in that we, we do believe God speaks in these wonderful ways. Anyway, after a little while, I thought, I've just got to basically to have the guts to say, look, I'm really sorry, but every time I want to talk to you, I'm almost going, you know, trying to remember a name. I said, it's because I want to call you Island Girl. And it sounds really daft and you feel a bit stupid. But her eyes filled up with tears and she said, would you believe that was my earliest nickname or, a, or an affectionate name that my family gave me when they lived in, the, I think it was the Dominican Republic or one of these South Sea Islands. And uh, she lived there with her, with her parents early on. And that was the name that she was called. So when I mentioned it to her, it wasn't me just being clever or giving her, and it actually did something in a spirit that said, somebody cares about me and sees me. Now, you might think things like that are insignificant. You might think, well, what, what does it do or how does it help the world? I think if we were all a bit more aware, we could actually relieve some pain and suffering and drop a little uh, speck of hope into somebody's life just by listening and being aware of some of these signs. Now, let me just finish by reading this. So as I say, that thing came up, trust my nudges. I thought, yeah, that's great. Um, and, and I'm thinking that's a nudge for me. Um, but this came up as well and I wanted to read it. Sometimes we have a strong sense of what our destiny is calling us to do but we don't feel quite ready or brave enough to answer the call. We need a push, an intervention, a serendipitous stroke. You might call that fate bait. <laughs> Interesting uh, phrase. Something that will bring clarity, meaning and purpose to the panoply, don't even know what that means if I'm honest, and trajectory of my life thus far and allow and enable me to do that which I feel I cannot do. Trust my nudges. Uh, the universe says. And so we keep finding clues if we're looking, uh, ephemeral bits and pieces that get our attention, that lead us to the next clue. And I love this phrase, like cosmic breadcrumbs. Oh, I thought it was lovely because you remember the story of Hansel and Gretel, how they left little pieces of bread to try and find the way home. But of course, that was a good idea until the birds come along and then they go steal the bread. But I like the idea of cosmic breadcrumbs that are scattered, that if I'm watching, I might be able to just follow them and find my way. And it went on to say this, that little insistently whispering voice inside, the person, place, thing that snags your attention, the song you can't get out of your head, that uncanny sense of deja vu. The sensation, disorder, addiction, affliction, disease that has no rational explanation, the out of nowhere inspiration, the dream that you can't quite wake up from, the magnetic pull in the heart and solar plexus, the third time you hear a song, a phrase or see an image, when your gut says against all odds, yes. And I just thought that was really helpful tonight in what we're talking about. So we're going to have quite a bit of cue without you tonight because we've got people who are going to participate in that. But before further ado, we'll move on. Okay? My favourite is the comment on the baby. It's quite beautiful to say she's such an ugly woman. 
Um, those two movies that we've just seen clips from, um, Bruce Almighty and, and um, Evan Almighty. Um, you know, the first one there, there's the whole thing, give me a sign, and then he overtakes a truck that has all the stop, don't go any further, detour on the back of it. And then, of course, there's, you know, Evan with his, uh, with his Genesis 614, and uh, the go forward, I love that, the, the name of the delivery company, go forward, brilliant. Um, all, all issues about this, this whole thing of, um, of nudges and, and the things that we could and should be aware of, and, and very often, sometimes, if you take some of those indicators from the films, we are resistant to because we don't know quite where to place it. Now, for me, there's something quite comforting about the idea of a God who nudges me. And uh, I could keep you for a long time with, um, you know, with just individual specific stories. I shared a few just last week, just, you know, little bits about our Salt Lake journey. But I, I could give you a lifetime of those illustrations. Now, of course, those, those nudges, whether you want to use the word universe or God, you know, I, I would probably use the word God. They, they can be resisted. And, uh, you know, particularly if I have no room in my life for the idea of a bigger plan. Now, when I, when I use the term bigger plan, I, I'm not talking about the idea of a preordained set of things that have to happen. I, I, I don't believe that. But what I mean by a bigger plan is that there is more going on than meets the eye. And I think the problem is, and, and probably the great sadness, and um, usually to our detriment, is because we do not recognize that there's more going on than meets the eye, we miss things that would give direction in our life and give us encouragement and help in our life that might save us from a lot of the anxieties and hardships of life. Some of my great regrets in ministry is when I've known stuff about people, which happens quite a lot, and then you have the courage to tell that person what it is that you've known and seen, and that person resists and rejects that, and then you see what it was that you were trying to help them avoid happen, and that, that's a great sadness. It's not, a, it's not a, an ego polisher for, well, I knew that was going to happen. It becomes a great sadness because of these nudges. But those nudges are also positive. I mean, the direction of my life, I can honestly say I can point to a response to nudges. God's nudges, whether it was for my parents, with my parents, getting me here, all of those things that go along. Now, now there, are, there are countless biblical accounts of the nudge that's often described in biblical terms as the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to, they're, they're those nudges. And sometimes when we read it in Bible, we can disassociate ourselves because we're thinking, you know, some great booming, very low register male voice spoke out of heaven and the ground shook. And that was the indicator. But I, I don't think it mostly was like that at all. I think, I think those nudges came in the way that we have nudges. Sometimes that inner voice, sometimes that's just, just knowing in the head like Chris with Island Girl. Just those knowing things that have happened so many times. You know, one of those is, is I find interesting because there's a... a in, in, in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 17, there's a great story about prophet Elijah, who in a time of famine and, uh, and drought, he has the nudge, and the nudge says, 
there's a, there's a brook in a valley near Zarephath called the Brook Cherith, and you need to go there. It's just has some inspiration in him. Well, what he found was this is the only brook in the country that hadn't dried up. He said, well, what about people who didn't go to the brook? I don't know. You're asking me questions. I don't know. If I was Elijah, I'd just be glad that I heard that and I got to the brook. The other interesting thing in a time of famine, I don't know how true it is. It's true to me. But ravens come with meat from the pickings that they've had and they give up the meat to Elijah. So, so the, the principle of the story is that the nudge will put you where there's water and the nudge will put you where even the things that would not give up the food that they have will give up that food for you in provision. Then he meets this woman down there who's got just enough oil and just enough grain to bake a cake and says, you need to bake a cake for me. Cut a long story short, the cake she bakes never runs out. And again, some of you might struggle to believe this. Well, you know, I, I, I believe it, but even just as a principle, it's quite amazing that these are the nudges that take us to these places. Now, Nudges can also be things that bring regret in our lives. I mean, give you one nudge that brought regret many years ago. When I was but a very young man, um, I'd, I'd managed to uh, destroy a motor vehicle, as many young men have uh, expressed their skill in doing that. And uh, out of great kindness, Jim and Mavis Miller, who, who are part of this house, were extremely kind to me in that process. Jim even let me get back behind the wheel of his car, which is very gracious and very kind, you know, to an 18-year-old. Um, but also they were kind enough to get us into church. And I remember one day being in the car and, uh, and we, were, we were driving down towards Gillygate and, um, and uh, the, uh, there, was a, there was a young man walking down the street. Now, I knew this young man. One, this young man's name was Philip. I don't know his other name. But I knew that I knew him from some young guys who'd been in the church at some time previously. And I recognised this guy. And a voice inside of me, clear as day, said, get Jim to stop the car and take this guy with you tonight to church. Well, I didn't have the courage, the confidence or whatever to do that. The next day, it was in the paper that that night, that young man had gone and taken a drug overdose and was now dead and wouldn't have that opportunity that might have been there. Now, I don't think God the divine holds me responsible for that young man's death. I don't believe that young man's death was my fault, but, but I have spent a lifetime wishing that I'd had the courage and the confidence to take that nudge that was coming that way because maybe Philip might still be here, maybe Philip might still be alive, maybe Philip might be doing something great with his life. So it works both ways, but we want to encourage you tonight to understand there is a nudge to the wider picture of the unseen that you cannot see. And the nudge is all about that, which is why that slide uses universe because it's trying to broaden our understanding that outside of our tiny little world and our tiny experiences, there is a much bigger thing that's going on, not just in the seen world, but in the unseen world. Now, let me just say one other thing before I uh, shut up for this, this thing. Uh, and again, you know, there are others who are going to give their story. Maybe this will touch some tonight. I couldn't get out of my head today the whole concept of the compass and how a compass is used to navigate 
because the compass magnetically should point us to north in the right direction. I told you last week that what's interesting, for the first time in 360 years, the needle of a compass will point directly at true north, which it hasn't done for 360 years because the issue with the... With, with, with the compass is that magnetic north, which is different to true north, we have true north, where the north pole is, and magnetic north. And the problem is most compasses are drawn to magnetic north because of the magnetism. And uh, if you want to know why, it's because it's created by movement deep within the Earth's crust that creates a magnetic field that draws the point of the compass. The problem is that when those movements are in a certain way, they attract or draw the needle away from reading true. And it's giving a reading, but it's not truly pointing you in the right direction. Now, all I wanted to say very briefly about that is there are lots of things from the inner core of us as people that are pulling at the compass needle to get us off true north. Now, in biblical terms, the Apostle Paul called that the flesh. And I think, I think the church has taken that phrase and made it mean many things that Paul never meant it to mean. But what he meant was the turmoil, the stirring, the stuff that goes on inside that draws the compass needle just a few degrees off where it needs to be taking us. And the problem comes when we try to orient our lives in response to the inner turmoil. That's what the compass of our lives does. So we're trying to fix the turmoil inside, but by doing that, our needle doesn't necessarily point us to true north. It doesn't take us to find the real existence of God or the kindness and love that he has for us or who we truly are in the context of this world. So I believe focusing your attention towards God actually gives you the true north. I think we all need that. And, and I didn't say towards church, I, I, you know, I didn't even say focusing your attention towards the Bible or even when people say the God of the Bible because 30,000 plus denominations tell you that within there, there are thousands of ideas about how to interpret the Bible and the concept of God from that. I mean, in your heart, looking for to find the divine that's there, that's bigger, that's more, so that within that, your compass needle can find where true north is. Not as a reaction to anything, but as a focus for anything. So I pray tonight that your compass will find north as you get those gentle nudges. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, I'm so glad that Claire mentioned that phrase that so often people use that everything happens for a reason. It's a stupid phrase. And if you have suffered loss, if you've suffered pain, if, if there have been irreversible issues that ripped your heartstrings and somebody comes and tells you, oh, it's okay, everything happens for a reason when you lost a child or something like that happened. It's like, it's like punching you in the face rather than lifting your spirits and, and I don't hold to that. Nor do I hold to the church version of that which I was raised with and fed on that God is in control. I've said many times if God is in control he's doing a rubbish job. And I understand Evan's feelings when he said if there isn't going to be a spot of rain I'm going to be so... You know I do not believe that God is in control. What I do believe, though, is that God is involved. The world could not be what it is if God was in control. 
We could not be who we are if God is in control. But somehow in this divine thing, there is the freedom and the liberty for us to be who we are, to shape our world, to make decisions and choices in our lives without the interference of some, some divine big brother that ultimately controls everything we do. But the issue is within that, allowing us to walk in our lives, we have the opportunity to be an expression of something that in many ways is far more powerful. It's when we connect with the involvement of God, with the involvement of the divine, and something comes out of that. You know, in that, in that movie of Evan Almighty, of course, he's, he's the Genesis 6, 14, team was build the ark and of course it's modern day America and he he builds the ark and he can't stop his beard growing and you need to watch the movie it's it's a hoot it really is good but then when he's finished the ark um, you know he's he's of course he's asking can we not even just have one raindrop just a little precipitation and the truth is if you watch the next bit of that it begins to rain and he thinks yeah it's come and then the clouds blow over and it stops and uh, he is so disappointed than they are. But, but if you listen to the words in there when they were talking about whether they'd got it wrong, uh, I can't remember whether it was the kid or the wife that says, no, there's something else. And the whole issue of the nudges that come is that in the midst of everything that we face, we have this nagging thing that says, no, there's something else. And when we allow that to be part of our life, the truth is, into the midst of all that we're doing comes something that we cannot explain, and it doesn't always free us from what it was that we were facing, but out of that and through that and beyond that, there is always something else. The truth is, we talked about seasons the other week, and, and winds will change, and tides will shift, and, and seasons will come and go. But I think there are three constants in all of that. These are the three constants. God's love, which never changes. Your significance, which might surprise you. You are significant. You are significant. That's why these nudges are important. You are not an accident on the face of the universe. You are absolutely significant. And the third thing is a shared purpose because I don't believe that we were ever meant to live life independently or just lost in God, but that the two things were supposed to come together so that in that shared purpose, we could see that there is something else that those nudges push us to where we are going. They were thinking rainstorm, God was thinking dam burst, and what happened was much bigger than they could have ever imagined. A greater sense of purpose, a greater thing that was going on. One last little story. I, I remember uh, being by the side of my father's bed and he was dying of cancer. And you would say the ultimate thing would be that dad didn't die of the cancer. Um, ultimately he did, he died from the, the, the metastasized cancer. But what was interesting in this whole thing of muddling through all this stuff, you know, of, of, of being by his bed. I remember uh, as I was there a couple of days before he died, and some of you have heard this story, I, as I'm sat there in the room in the hospice, I was very conscious that two guys walked in. Now, not human as in the sense of, you know, Danny and, and Phil. 
or whatever. You know, you, you, it would be more, more something out of, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or whatever, because we, we see things on a certain levels, however they will interpret to us, not to be purely human intervention. These, these two guys walked in and stood at the end of my dad's bed, one on the, one on the left side and one on the right side, and, and stood almost like, almost like those images of knights who come in or waiting for the king to die. I was very conscious of this. You know, I couldn't, I'm not sure anybody else in the room would see it, but I could see it was very conscious. My dad at that time was in a coma. He was way out of it. I went in the next day and he'd come around and the first thing he said to me, he said, hey lad, that's who used to talk to me, he's a wonderful guy, bless his heart. He said, hey lad, he said, the strangest thing happened, I think it was yesterday, but I don't know because he, he was under the morphine. He said, but these two fellas walked in and they stood at the end of the bed there, tall fellas, one on the left and one on the right, exactly as I'd seen, but had never mentioned to my dad what it was but he was very conscious and it was something that was not in the in the touch feel world it was something beyond that world now you say what happened then well he he said these words he said he said I thought they'd come for me now he didn't say trembling I thought they'd come for me like some you know demon dark thing he was quite excited he said I thought they'd come for me in his head I know he believed they were angelic beings and um, the day that he died, which was a couple of days later, I was conscious that these two, whoever, had come in the room again, and within minutes, Dad had gone. Now, you see, what was all that about? Even in the midst of that thing, there was a comfort in the beyond, in the other thing, in, in the universe's nudge, in God's nudge to say, it's okay, I've got this, I've got you, it's okay. So tonight, I want you to let the nudges bring hope. I want you to let the hope bring trust. I want you to root yourself firmly in the love of God and to live by faith and not by sight and to trust the nudges. Let me pray. Father, may everything that you speak and the things that you show and the things you do and the nudges that come from around us bring us to the place where we see your kindness and love showing through, always bringing us beyond to the something else so that in all of our hearts we will know that the nudges are to tell us, no, there's something else. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.